while we're uh, while we're waiting on that, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and take a look at our memory verse for the month of May, and that is found in Ephesians chapter two and verse ten. You ready for this? All right, let's say it together. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. Ephesians two ten. We are God's workmanship. Look at the person next to you and say, he does fine work. Now, you've got to look at the person next to you and say that. He does fine work. You're, <laughs> you are God's workmanship. I just love that passage of Scripture. In fact, we started a ministry years ago based on that passage of Scripture called Build, Building Under the Influence of the Lord's Direction. And that was a Scripture verse that the Lord had given me for that ministry. And what we did is we went out and we, uh, we raised funds for Teen Challenge, and we just took teams of men out and Teen Challenge students, and we went out and, and uh, we did work in the community, and uh, they, they gave money to the Teen Challenge to support Teen Challenge. We called it Build Ministries, Building Under the Influence of the Lord's Direction. And uh, so that was, that was pretty cool. That was a passage that, that uh, was the, uh, the one that we used to do that. All right, might be a little bit yet, so I'm just going to go ahead and... I want to talk a little bit about um, where we've been working our way through the book of Ephesians, and um, it's been like five weeks since I've been your interim pastor. By the way, if you're visiting with us today, I'm John. I'm just I'm the interim pastor here. I'm not the, the real deal. I'm just sort of in between. And so, uh, well, I'm the real deal. I mean, I'm obviously here, but but uh, but we're we're in transition right now, and we're we're looking to. Uh, uh, we're looking for some resumes, and before we do that, we uh, are working on our constitution and bylaws, and our bylaws in particular, and hopefully this evening at our meeting, our, our uh, uh, advisory council will get those bylaws nailed down. The next step is to give that to our district council and our uh, superintendent and um, presbyters, and then they give us the thumbs up, and then from that point on, then we'll set up a date for an annual business meeting and uh, also we'll send out letters for you to nominate people for those positions in leadership and then we'll have an annual business meeting we'll have an annual budget projection and then once that happens then uh, then you'll have a board an official board again we will be a general council church and um, we will uh, the the board and you will begin to select uh, people for uh, pastoral leadership so that's all the good stuff that's coming isn't that exciting? It is exciting. Yeah, it is. So in the meantime, though, you're still stuck with me for a little while. And um, I just felt like God was leading us through the book of Ephesians because it's so rich. And it talks about, you know, the salvation that we have and, and the church and, uh, and the gifts and, and, and uh, you know, spiritual warfare and just all that, all that stuff is right there in Ephesians. So uh, today I'm hoping to finish up the book, uh, the first chapter of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to attempt to do that here. And uh, I've entitled this message, The Name Above All Names, and I want to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. And the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus, the saints that are there, he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly places. 
Now he is far above any ruler or authority. Say far above. He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but in the one that's coming. And God has put all things, say all things. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. Good. All things for the benefit of the church. And he goes on to say, the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you are Lord over all. Things seen, things unseen. Things in this world and things in the world to come. And I thank you, Lord, that you have all things under your care and under your authority. We make a mess of things. God, you straighten things out. And I'm so thrilled, Lord, that you have rule, not only in this world, but rule in each one of our lives here this morning. And thank you, Father, for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. When you talk about uh, somebody working, you know, first thing you want to know is you want to know, well, what's the benefits? What's the employee benefit package? And um, that's, a, that's a pretty important thing to have. Health insurance, you know, that's top on everybody's list. list. Vacations, uh, on-site workout classes. A lot of people have, a lot of employers have done that. Child care, another big issue for many of them. There's some creative ones that I've run across that I thought I'd share those with you, like the free mechanical bull rides at the bar across the street. And that's, uh, that's one of the benefits for somebody. And, and then all the snacks that you can carry. That's good. Here's one, free beer on Fridays. I mean, who wouldn't want to work for a company like that, right? Here's one, bring your dog to work day. Pet insurance. And this is one I really like. It says, we promise not to poke you with a sharp stick day. (laughs) All benefits are dependent on the benevolence of the employer, of course. And aren't you glad that the one that we serve is benevolent? Our God is benevolent. He is merciful. He is kind. He is gentle. And he gives so generously. It's just incredible what God gives to us. Our Father God... That's who we call God. He's our Father. And I love that term of endearment. He's not just God that's up there. He's Father God. He's Abba Father. He's Daddy God. He's our Father in heaven. And he delights in giving benefits. Salvation has a lot of benefit package. There's a benefit package when we come to Christ. Let's take a look and review some of those that we've already talked about. But let's just review them a little bit here. First off, I was a sinner, but now my father calls me a saint. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Go figure. Say this to the person next to you. I am not a sinner any longer. I'm a saint. And the other thing is you can say is, I don't have to die to become one either. My sainthood isn't dependent upon a denomination. It's not dependent... Uh, upon a a group of people that think that I did enough good stuff in my life to become one. God says that by faith in Christ, I am a saint. St. John. You can call me St. John if you don't see (laughs) it. 
St. Wendy, St. Dan, St. Dave. There's a lot of saints in here, isn't there? All right, so you're a saint, not a sinner. Now, does that mean that I can't sin? Nope, doesn't mean that. It means you still can. How many of you have found that out? You're still capable of doing that. However, that's not how God sees you. He sees you as a saint, not a sinner. And it's really important that we start talking about who we are the same way that our Father talks about who we are. That's where we get our identity from. All right, secondly, I was alienated from God, but I'm adopted. How many people are adopted? If you're not adopted, you ain't saved. Good, so if you didn't raise your hand, I want to see you around the altar right after the church service this morning. I was alienated from God. I was a long ways from Him. I am adopted. That's why I call God my Father, because I'm adopted. He's my Father who art in heaven, who does art in heaven. I don't know what that means, but sure. I moved from manpower, my power, to try to gain favor with God to Holy Spirit power. That just, I can rest in that flow of the Holy Spirit in my life. I, he's he's that, that water that flows. And if I just stay camped out by the water, oh man, I'll, I'll produce fruit in every season of my life, right? So you want to, be, you want to stay by that water. That water flow is a type of the, of the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, when it's raining like this, I'm going, I looked at my gauge, it's got an inch and a quarter of rain, and I'm not a farmer, but I don't like this. And I can only imagine the farmers that are here is like, what are you doing? And yet, at the same time, I, I think of this, all this water and all these floods and everything else that's going on, it's kind of like God's giving us a royal flush. We need a flushing in our country. And we need to be reminded that, you know what? You don't have everything under control. God does. We need a gentle reminder sometimes. So you move from self-power, from manpower to Holy Spirit power. And then the other thing that, I don't know if I like this one so well, but I've got ongoing education benefits. Remember the old song? God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Right? And oh boy. You know, you know how he does that? He brought me my wife. That is very helpful. Thank you, God. Because we've been married 50 years. Sometimes we still have a clash. But it's a good thing. Maybe not at the moment, but we grow because of those things. We sit down and we talk through those things and we discuss through them and we take those situations to the Lord and then God gives us, you know, God straightens her out and we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Or one of us, he straightens out. I'm not sure which one it is, but someplace along one of us has got to get the message. And then the church is the same way. The church is, 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 is a place of exercise. It's a place of spiritual exercise. There's a tension in the body of Christ. There's a tension in spiritual gifts. There's a tension in giftings. If we'll understand that, we don't have to get all rip-roaring mad about stuff. We can just understand, hmm. The reason they see it that way is because they're wired different. I learned a long time ago that when I grew up, I didn't like teachers. 
You know why? Because I just didn't like them. I don't know. There's something about it. They just said I was a teacher. I just automatically, I didn't like you. But what I've discovered is, is that I need teachers in my life. I've got to have teachers. So I, in, in leadership, in, in, I, have to, I have to be around teachers. And the interesting thing is, is that after I was saved, God began to put teachers in my life as friends. And I went, at first I went, ooh. <laughs> but, I, but I really became aware of the fact that I wasn't complete and I needed, I needed what they brought to me. At first it was, a, it was a tension, but now I go, oh, God, thank you. There's also, I have, I have greyhound racehorse blood in me somewhere. I don't know where that's in the genes or what. I don't want to go there. But, but I've, somehow or another, I've got, I'll, 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 when the gate is open and the bell rings, I am gone. I am chasing that rabbit. Even if it's running around in circles, I'm chasing him and I'm going to catch him. And then there's, bl- there's, there's bloodhound people. They just want to lay on the porch and do nothing. And if they see a coon, they go, oh. Those people used to drive me crazy. But I'm glad for those people because they slow me down. If I was left to myself, we would be moving too fast, too quick, and not everybody can keep up with too fast, too quick. And you leave a lot of people behind you when you are running really fast. So God puts people in our life and in the church family, brothers and sisters, right? That's what he calls us. Oh my goodness, brothers and sisters, I don't know if I like that or not. I got a sister that's older than me. She used to kick me in the shins all the time. I still got marks. You know, brothers and sisters, really? And Lois's favorite verse in Scripture is, is brothers are born for adversity. <laughs> and we disagree on the meaning of that, but for her it means that they're, they're born to create a problem. But they're not really. But see, when you come into the family of God, all of a sudden you're, you're going to meet somebody that's going to remind you of brother, sister, father, and mother. And if you've got problems and issues with any of those, you're going to have problems and issues here. So Paul is, is, is very interested in, in hearing about how this church in Ephesus is, is doing. In fact, when he hears of how they're doing, he says this, I give thanks for you, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayer. He gets it. What do we need as a church? We need each other. What do we need as a church? We need prayer. We pray for one another. That's what churches do. They pray for each other. We're with you. We come in here to praise and worship the Lord. We come in here to lift our hands. We come in here to hear the word. We come in here to to learn about our faith in God, who he is. We come in to learn about what our gifts are and and how God can can use us in in the marketplace. 
how he can deal with us and, and uses us in our family, how we can bring peace and, and comfort and how we can evangelize, how we can share the gospel and the good news with other people. But he also brings us together so that we can, so that we can love one another. In fact, that's so critical, faith and love, that Jesus said that all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow. So when Paul hears this about the church, these saints in Ephesus that have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, when he hears about how they're doing, see, there's evidence. There's evidence that God has done something in your life. And that's called faith in God and love for other people. Faith in God and love for other saints. And the other saints, it doesn't matter what they're, named, what they're branded with. We want to brand people. I don't know. <laughs> the devil did this a long time ago. I think he's got a branding iron. He said, I'm going to brand you a Methodist. I'm going to brand you an assembly. I'm going to brand you a Lutheran. I'm going to brand you a Catholic. And God's going... Well, you're saints. You have a love for all the saints. And one size doesn't fit all. One church doesn't fit all. And that's okay. There's some really, really wonderful Lutherans. And Methodists. And a few good Baptists. I'm kidding. But we've got to see the body of Christ like that, see? You have to become kingdom-minded or you're going to get stuck. And too many of God's people today are stuck in little groups of people. And we just don't do it like this. And then we get in competition. Well, they've got, they've got something over there that we don't have, so we're going to go over there. Oh, no, no, we don't like what happened over there, so we're going to go over here now. It's like, really? Where's your faith in God? church. It amazes me when there's a struggle that people go, oh, well, I'm out of there. I'm just going to speak really open to you because it it irritates me. Because that's not what the scripture says. Now, there's a time that you can go to some some other place, and that's that's fine. You, You know, I always tell people, you know what, if you can't enjoy the ride with us, get on a bus with somebody else that's going to heaven and enjoy the ride. Why make it miserable for us in this bus? So there's the time. I mean, who wants to go on a long bus trip with a bunch of grouchy people? I don't like this. I don't like that. Let me point you to a different bus. It's okay to get on a different bus. But don't be mad and upset with the bus, the other bus people. Be trashing other bus full of people that are saints of God that are heading in the same direction you are. You know, uh, God's so funny that He might just put you right next door to that same person. <laughs> Won't that be something? That's something that that person that you didn't think would even make it to heaven. And guess guess who my neighbor is? I thought I was in heaven. (laughs) The apostle notices it. He says, when I saw that, 
when I heard the care that you had for each other. When I saw that you were so hungry for God, you were like a deer that panted for the water brooks. You had a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. And you had a hunger and thirst to love one another. It was so evident that I, it just brought so much joy to my heart, Paul says. He planted this. He said, it brings me so much joy when I see that. And it should, it brings so much joy to my heart when I see that. Now, there's all kinds of benefits that God gives us, but the greatest benefit is his presence in our midst where two or three are gathered here. Here he is, see. So Jesus is here with us, isn't he? By spirit, he's here. And so if he was here, would he like our conversation? If he was here, would he like the way that we're thinking? That's a good question for us. If this is his church, does he like the direction that we're going? How does he, how do we, uh, how do we know what direction he wants to go? Well, he tells us in his word. And we're going to look at that a little bit later, but not today. All right. But here's what I know. Because we have God's presence and all of these benefits, the devil does not like the benefits that you have. He wants to do everything possible to destroy those benefits. Because if he can destroy the benefits, he knows that you'll be into a complaining mode and you'll be a grouchy Christian, angry at others and angry at God. That's his work. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We'll learn that in Ephesians 6, but against principalities and powers, wickedness, evil, demonic forces in high places. He's very well organized. And he wants to destroy the benefits. In Mark chapter 4, it tells a story about Jesus being tempted as he moves into his uh, uh, ministry. Before he does, he's in the wilderness. He's for 40 days and for 40 nights. He's in there and he's very hungry. And the devil comes up to him and he says, if you're the son of God, make these stones bread. And you know what Jesus said, right? It's written, first off. Remember that. is written see when pastors if I can get this word into you you become the most powerful force in the world but if you're going to listen to the stuff that your government's telling you and Fox News is telling you and everybody else and you're parenting all the stuff that comes from Hollywood it will do absolutely nothing for you the word of God it is written it is written it is written it is written that's what you stand on the word of God on the old hymn, standing on the promises of Christ my King. It is written. And Jesus said to him, before he said anything else, he said, it's written, devil. It's written, Satan. Those of you that have had issues and, and whether you've, been, you've needed to be healed, Dave Wingfield is a good example of that. Dave Wingfield, my friend Dave, you know what he did when he needs healing? He has all the healing scriptures. He just reads them over and over and over and over again. He doesn't stop. Until he, gets what, until he finds that healing. He doesn't quit. You don't quit. If you're having a, a trouble in, in finances and you're, and you're not being very prosperous and everything just seems like it's falling out from underneath you, get into the scriptures and find out what it says and then do it and then claim those promises. Do those things. Do what God says. It's written. It's written. It's written. It's written. I'm standing on this. 
I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the banker says. I'm standing on this. I don't care what Trump says. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm standing on the promises of Christ my King. It is written. That's the power of the church. That's the power of, of, of your life in Christ. It's written. And he says, devil, it's written. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Spend more time here. They asked Billy Graham, he said, if, if, what was the major book in your life? He just said, here it is. He said, well, you didn't read other books? He said, yeah, but now I wish at the end of my age, the end of my life, he said, I wish I'd have read this more and those other books less. Good thought. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, he said. Okay, so then he takes him up on this tower, on this high pinnacle of the temple, and he says, jump off, Jesus. Because it's written, say the devil will use scripture against you. It's written, the angels will catch you. And Jesus, what did he say? Well, it's written, too. It's written. It's not good for you to tempt the Lord your God. And then he says, he takes him to a place and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan believes that he owned them. In fact, he did own them at that point in time. And he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and he says to him, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. And that's when Jesus said, Hit the road, Satan. You shall wor- it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So what the devil was trying to do is he's trying to get the head, cut the head off of the body. If he can get the head off of the body, he's got it. But see, Jesus didn't fall for that. He didn't fall for that tricky snake, that sneaky sa- snake Satan. He, did, he didn't fall for that. Because he knew what the Word said. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word is God. He is the Word. All right. So he didn't fall for any of that stuff. He wins. So the devil goes, hmm, I can't get the head separated from you. Maybe I can get you separated from the head. That's what he does. Couldn't win the, the battle with Jesus. So he's going to start picking on you and me. He does the same thing. He tries to trick us with the same thing. He says, turn rocks into bread, John. In other words, use the rock of this planet, use the things of this world to satisfy your longings and your desires and your appetites. You have legitimate appetites. You have legitimate desires. The devil's trap or trick is to get you to turn this rock, this world, into bread to feed my desires and my appetites. And then he says, jump off the cliff, John. That's a type of expecting that I'm going to sin anyway, and I'm going to let God bless my sin. Well, bless my soul. I'm going to continue to sin that grace may abound. God says in his word, God forbid. How can we who are dead to these things live any longer therein? Yet there are Christians today who dabble in sin, who just keep jumping off the cliff and saying, oh, well, God just loves me. It's okay. He does love you, but it's not okay. 
It's a, it's a father that you break his heart by sinning. You break his heart every time you jump off a cliff. And you think that somehow his grace is just going to cover it and make it all right. That's why so many Christians are caught up in, in adulterous situations. Homosexuality, abortion, drugs, drug addictions. And they just keep, they just keep up with it. Drinking, smoking, doping. Christian people. And they think, oh, this is okay. And, and God forbid if the pastor ever says that, no, it's not. We'll find another place to go. You can find another place. There's people that allow any kind of lifestyle that you want. There's pastors that will allow you to do that. But I can't do that in good conscience and say that I love you. How do I do that? But that's the trap. Jump off the cliff. That's what you're doing. You're jumping off the cliff. And we keep climbing back up and jumping off again, expecting that somehow God's going to catch us. And then he says, bow down, false gods. Oh, there's all kinds of things that you can worship. And, I, and, and, and we wouldn't think that we're going to worship idols, but yet what business do we have with the unbeliever with a believer? And what business do we have worshiping with idols and the idols and God at the same time at the communion table? Paul talks about that in Corinthians. He said, what do you think you're doing? You're sitting down at the table with idols and God too? You got God at one side, idols at the other side? How can that be? Worship me. The devil says. Worship the things of this world. Worship the things that I can offer you. And we think, oh, I'd never be able to do that. You know, I love you, Jesus. Guys, have you ever said to your wife, don't? But have you ever said to her, honey, of all the people, all of my lovers, I love you the most? <laughs> See how far that gets you. See what you have for supper that night. Well, that's what we do. We say, oh, God, you know, God, of all my loves all the week long, I, I love you the most on Sunday. Sunday morning, I love you more. I love all these other ones, but it's just through the week. Okay. You had enough of that? <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> all right, here's what it says. In, what happens is when you, when you don't make it through the temptations that Jesus did, when you don't make that, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying. That those are the, that's how it works. That temptations are still there in our life. Okay, so when we do that, we fail. And then the devil loves to accuse us when we fail. Listen to what it says about him in Revelation 12, 10. It says, he who accuses them before our God day and night. He's accusing you. How can you live like that? How can you say that you're a Christian and continue with that kind of habit, that kind of attitude in your life? How can you do that? Look at him, God. Look at him. Look at what he just did. And boy, are we pretty good at feeling that. How's that make you feel? Ashamed, embarrassed. That's how it makes me feel. But take courage, dear children. And that's what John the Apostle says, the one who loves. He says, Jesus Christ has been given authority over all. Listen to what he says. You are from God, little children. 
just comes right back. So you messed up. So you didn't make it. So, so you're stuck in something. But you're from God, little children. That's what he says. You're from God. Now act like that. Don't let that dictate who you are. You're from God. I'll be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Be a, be a child of God. Dear children, and this is what he goes on to say, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Hallelujah. I'm not a sinner, but whenever I sin, I can say, God, forgive me of that. And he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of all righteousness, not so that I have a license to go out and do it again, but I can say, greater are you that's in me than he that's in this world. Greater is my Jesus than, than the one that's in this world. Because he won, I win. Because he was victorious, I'm victorious. I can't win this on my own. Jesus Christ is and was and always will be the King of all kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus serving him, worshiping him, means that my benefits are secure in him. All right, with Jesus Christ, the head of his church, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 33 through 39. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Well, the devil does. But God is the one who justifies. He's the one who is the one who condemns. Christ Jesus is the one who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God and also intercedes for us. He prays for you and me. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Did you hear that? In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Here's another passage in Hebrews 2.18. With Jesus as the head, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So you get tempted in those things. Okay, so you have someone who is... Listen to this. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. With every temptation, there's always a window of escape, Scripture says, right? <laughs> My trouble is, is that I don't want to look for the window sometimes. How did Jesus get this kind of authority and power? Philippians tells us how he got it. Philippians 2, 6 to 11, let me read this to you. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He's talking about Jesus. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and even under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He is Lord of all. 
he, he got there because he humbled himself and he did what God was asking him to do. All right, so what's that mean for us? Well, before it goes into that, Paul says this to the Philippians. He says, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection, any compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. You've all had families that had squabbles and there isn't any peace in that. There isn't any joy in it. No squabbling. Maintain the same love. He said, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Making, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Focus on one thing, one purpose that we exist for. Listen, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to what is that attitude. I encourage you to read through Philippians chapter 2 this week and see if see how your attitude lines up with his attitude. And if that attitude is transformed, watch and see the transformation in your own life and in your interaction with other people. King David had um, an understanding of the benefits of the Lord. Do you remember Psalm 103? You should. How long have you been a Christian? You don't know what Psalm 103 says. I'm kind of getting after you. I know that a little bit, but you need that. Psalm 103. That's another one. Write that down and get it down in here. This is what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Benefits. I got a job with benefits. So do you. He pardons all of my iniquities. Oh, what joy is there in that? He heals all of my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. <laughs> Sometimes you go, man, life just seems to be the pit. And he's going, I'm going to redeem your life from the pit. And he doesn't just throw you a rope either. Jumps right down the pit where you are, grabs hold of you and lifts you out of there all by himself. He's lifted me out of the pits by my hair so many times, that's why I have, well, some of us have even less hair. You know who you are. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies your years with good things. Those of you that have some gray hair, you know what I'm talking about. 
Look how much he satisfied your years. Your youth is renewed like an eagle or like a greyhound. He goes on to say, he's not dealt with you according to your sins. Aren't you glad? He hasn't rewarded you according to your iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. Just as a father, listen to this, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. For as for man, it's great. his days are like grass. Flower in the field, so he flourishes. We're kind of like a dandelion. The wind passes over it, and it is no more. What are, we, what are we all bent out of shape about? How long do you think you're going to live? Well, forever if you're a child of God, but not here. Your life is like grass. You're like the flower of the field. The wind passes over it, and it isn't anymore. And its place acknowledges it no more. Somebody asked me the other day, said, when are you going to retire? And I said, well, I don't know. The cemetery is filled with retired people. I suppose that's... I guess that's when you retire, right? And they throw in a handful of dirt. The loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant. And remember the precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David was a man who was extremely humbled because he'd been down that sin road. Anointed king, but he got himself into trouble, murder, adultery. But God had mercy on him. And it humbled him so much that he knew where he stood. Let's pray together right now. Father God, I, I ask that your spirit would make David's words come alive in us. God, that we would know that we are just, even though we're just dust, and our time and our season is short, that God, you are for us and not against us. That no weapon formed against your people can prosper. And that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ who has authority over all things, seen and unseen, that we live and breathe. Father, I pray your blessings upon your people here today. These are your children. If you're not a child of God here this morning, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
I'm going to ask you right now, slip up a hand because I want to pray for you. 